Good morning again, dear friends. It's so good to see you this morning. It has been a wonderful day of worship to God on this Lord's Day. I'm just so happy to see all of you here. I'm so happy we've been able to worship our Father in spirit and in truth. And I'm happy that we get to open up our Bibles now and engage in a study from God's Word. As many of you who were in my Bible class this morning could tell, one of the things that I really hate is I hate, well, I hate snakes. <laughs> I hate all kinds of snakes. I hate the big snakes and the small snakes, the black snakes and the brown snakes, the yellow snakes, the green snakes, the poisonous snakes, the non-poisonous snakes. If it were up to me, we would just gather all the snakes up in the valley and across the country and across the globe, put them into a big net and shoot them out in the outer space. I hate. I hate all kinds of snakes, and so you can imagine how terrified I was when I recently read a true story about a snake. Now, this story actually comes out of my home state of Texas. It actually comes out of Grand Prairie, Texas. Grand Prairie is a suburb of Dallas, Texas. On August the 3rd of 2021, that's a little over a year ago, in the community of Cherry Street in Grand Prairie, Texas, the people who lived on that street received some very disturbing news. 23-year-old Lawrence Mattel, the owner of a West Bandit African Cobra, after feeding his cobra that he kept in a homemade cage without locks on it, he walked out of the room for about 15 minutes and he came back and it was gone. It was nowhere to be found. It got loose, not just in his house, but into that community. Now, Lawrence was arrested for his negligence, and rightfully so, and he also had his other deadly snakes confiscated. But let me tell you some brothers and sisters, that cobra is still on the loose. That cobra is still going wherever she pleases. They have not found that cobra almost over a year later. And let me just ask you, what would you do if you were part of that community? What would you do if you were part of this community when this happened a little over a year ago? Let me tell you what I would have done if I was part of that community. I don't care, I don't care how nice the community was that I lived in. I don't care how pleasant and nice the neighbors were. I don't care how good the schools were. I don't care if we got to take a loss when trying to sell that house. That snake got loose on August the 3rd, and guess what? I would have been gone by August the 4th. I would have been gone quick, fast, in a hurry. I couldn't live my life stressed out all the time about a cobra. I could not ever be okay with my kids playing in the backyard knowing that a cobra was on the loose. I couldn't ever feel safe walking to my car or even to go and get the mail knowing that a cobra could come out at any time and bite me. I would never be comfortable living on Cherry Street in Grand Prairie, Texas. And I wonder, I wonder also if that's how Lot felt as he lived in the city of Sodom. 
Going back to our scripture reading this morning in Genesis chapter 19, remember there, Brother Lance read the word of God to us. Remember there we learned, we learned that there was a man of God named Lot who lived in the city of Sodom. He lived in Sodom. He lived in a city that was destined to receive judgment and wrath from God because it was evil and depraved and it was full of people who were taking part in a sin that a lot of people in our time today are starting to embrace and really justify, and that's the sin of homosexuality. That's the sin of same-sex relationships. You see, Sodom was Las Vegas, Hollywood, San Francisco, and New Orleans all wrapped up in one. It was shameless and gross and evil and an unsafe place to be, let alone live. And yet the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that Lot lived there. Lot lived there with his family. And for us to really be able to appreciate how Lot ended up a resident in the evil and wicked city of Sodom, I think it is important that we pause for a moment or two this morning and remind ourselves of exactly who Lot was. For those of you who were in the Genesis class or a few months ago, remember Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Lot was the nephew of the great patriarch of God. And in Genesis chapter 13, we learn that they were both very prosperous. They were both very wealthy. They were both men who had a lot of flocks and a lot of herds and a lot of herdsmen. In fact, there came a time when the prosperity of Abraham and Lot was so great that the land they both lived on was unable to support the both, the both of them. And their herdsmen started starting having some conflict. Remember, their herdsmen starting getting into a lot of fusses. And a lot of fights and Abraham being the peaceful and godly man that he was. Well, he came up with a reasonable solution. He came up with a reasonable solution. He decided that even though they were family, he and Lot needed to split up. They needed to separate. They needed to part ways. In fact, Abraham even decided to let Lot decide which way he wanted to go, and he would go into the, in the opposite direction. Abraham was the oldest, and he could have flexed some of his patriarch muscles here, but he doesn't do it. He lets Lot decide which way he wants to go. And Abraham says, I'll go the opposite direction. I want to ask you to go in your Bibles to Genesis, the 13th chapter. Now, our study primarily today is going to come from Genesis 19, but to set up what we're going to look at in Genesis 19, we really need to read what the Bible says in Genesis 13, Genesis 13, beginning with verse number 10. After Abraham allowed Lot to decide where he wanted to live and he would go in the opposite direction. In Genesis 13 and verse 10, the Bible says that Lot, look at the language carefully, lifted up his eyes and he saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose, Lot chose, he chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners 
against the Lord. Notice how when given the opportunity to decide where he wanted to live at this time, the Bible says that Lot chose, he chose Sodom. He chose Sodom. He chose to live in the place where the spiritual cobras were. He chose to live in a place that was well watered and it was green and it was fertile and it looked like a paradise on earth, but it was full of wickedness. It was full of all kinds of sin and evil and spiritual pitfalls. Lot chose to live in the city of Sodom. And Abraham chose to live in the land of Canaan. And in much of Genesis, in much of this section, we're going to see how they both experience consequences for their decisions. In the case of Abraham, because he chose to go to Canaan. Well, he's going to continue to be to be blessed by God. He's going to continue prospering. He's going to continue growing his family. He's going to grow his wealth. He's even going to be able to show hospitality to angels and experience an appearance from the Lord. While Lot, well, Lot, because of his decision, he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer greatly. He's going to reap all kinds of problems and crises. In fact, one major crisis that Lot's going to experience because he chose to live in Sodom is he's going to experience a crisis in his own faith. A crisis in his own faith. Living in Sodom impacted Lot's faith. In 2 Peter chapter 2, before anyone points this out to me today, let's say something about 2 Peter 2 and verse 8. In 2 Peter verse 2 and verse 8, Peter says something about Sodom, and he also says something about Lot. He says Sodom was a city condemned by God to ashes, and he says Lot was a righteous man. He says Lot was a man of faith whose soul was deeply troubled by all the sin that he witnessed in Sodom. Peter says that Lot was deeply bothered by the actions of the wicked people living in Sodom, and yet instead of his faith, and his righteous background having an impact on the people of Sodom, it appears that the opposite took place. Go back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 19, where our main text is going to be this morning. And look at verse number one. I want to show you a few verses here that I believe prove this point this morning. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse number one, the Bible says that when two angels who had been sent by God to rescue Lot and his family and destroy the city of Sodom, when these angels arrived in the city, well, Lot was sitting at the gate of the city. Do you see that in verse number one? You see how verse one says that Lot, when these angels showed up, he was sitting at the gate of the city. What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, the gate or the gates of a city was the most important part of the city. It was the place where men of influence and reputation and position would sit and make judgments. It was a place where many people would gather together and mingle. It was also a place where business transactions took place. If you remember in the story of Ruth, remember Boaz in the story of Ruth? Boaz had to go to the gate of the city in order to meet the elders and the leaders and the next of kin before he could take Ruth to be his wife. See, that's how it was in ancient times. In ancient times, 
the gate of the city or the gates of the city was the most important part of the city. It's where important men sat down and discussed things and made judgments. They also made business transactions. The Bible says that Lot is sitting in the gate of the city. He's at the gate of the city. He's gone from just seeing the city. Remember, he saw the city, so he's gone from just seeing the city and desiring the city and even living in the city. So now you're in the gate of the city. Now Lot is firmly planted in this city. He's a major player in this city. He may have even been an important official in this city. That is why he is sitting at the gate. He's in this city now, big time. In fact, when the two angels show up and enter the city, the Bible says that Lot meets them and he welcomes them. He bows before them. He doesn't realize they're angels yet, but he does welcome them into his home. He welcomes them into his house. He offers them hospitality. In fact, verse 3 says that he urged them strongly. Some translations render that he manhandled them. He grabbed them and twisted them. He really twisted their arms. He really, really, really wants these men to stay with him. He knows that this is not a safe place for visitors. This is not the kind of town where you want to be sleeping on a park bench downtown. What Lot does here by offering them hospitality, that is not uncommon at this time. It is not uncommon in ancient times. Like in the case of Abraham in the previous chapter, in Genesis chapter 18, what Lot offers these men was a regular practice. It was a regular practice in the world at this time. In a time where there were no Holiday Inns and Best Western Inns and Motel 6 wasn't going to leave the light on for you. Many people, many people would have to open their homes to strangers. They will open their home to travelers. They would open their home to travelers that they didn't even know. What Lot does here at this time in Genesis chapter 19 is a very common practice, but the problem is some wicked men from the city saw these two travelers go into Lot's house and they surrounded his house. They surrounded his house, swarmed over his house because they wanted Lot to bring those men out so they could hurt them. They wanted to sexually assault them. They wanted to know them, have relations with them, verse number five says. They want to hurt these men. And in verse number eight, in verse eight of Genesis 19, Lot makes these men an offer. That's just disgusting. It's an offer that as a father over a beautiful girl, I wouldn't make. And I'm pretty sure no father here in his right mind would ever make. He offers them his daughters. He says, don't, don't sexually assault these guys. Just take my virgin daughters and have sex with them. Do whatever you want with my daughters. Now, look, I know sometimes, and I've been around the brethren enough to know this, I know sometimes we're quick to try to justify the sinful actions of the people we like from the Bible. But let me tell you something. Let's just stop that right here. There's no justifying this. This is wrong. This is sinful. 
This is wrong every single day of the week. You offer your daughters? You offer your daughters to be sexually assaulted? Are you kidding me? You got to kill me before I do something like that. But move on to verse 16. Because after these angels blind these men, trying to sexually assault, trying to sexually assault them. And after these angels urged Lot to gather his family and immediately get out of the city because they're about to wipe it out. The scripture says he hesitates. He hesitates. When I read verse 16, all I can do is ask this question. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Lot? What's going on with you right now? You're now fully aware that you've been entertaining angels the whole time. And you just saw these angels miraculously blind a bunch of guys who are trying to sexually assault them. And they're trying to get you out of the city so you won't be destroyed. And you hesitate? You hesitate to run out of Sodom as fast as you can. They actually got to seize your hand and literally bring you out of the city. They got to do that. Are you kidding me? Lot, what, what are you thinking right now? What's going on with you? But we're still not done. Because look at verse 17. Verse 17, after these men bring Lot outside of the city, verse 17 says in chapter 19, when they brought them outside, one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you're going to be swept away. That should be the end of the story right there. But verse 18, Lot said to them, oh, no, my lords. Now, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you've shown me by saving my life. But I cannot Don't ever tell God you can't do something. I cannot escape to the mountains for disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Now, behold, this town is near enough to flee to and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? He said to him, behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town of which you've spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything unless you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zoar. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zohar. Again, when I read the word of God here, all I can do is ask myself, what in the world am I reading here? Well, what in the world are you thinking, Lot? God has just shown you great mercy. He's given you grace. He's given you kindness. He's brought you out of the city. He's doing everything he can to make sure you survive. And yet you don't trust God. You don't trust him. You're telling God, his angels, they're wrong for sending you into the mountains. You're saying, well, I'll die in those mountains. Send me over to a city. Lot, what you should be doing is you should just shut your mouth and obey God. Just do what God says. Stop acting as though you know geography and what's going on in the world better than God knows. If God told you you're going to be safe in the mountains, you know what that means? That means you're going to be safe in the mountains. In fact, when you continue reading what goes on here, you know where Lot ends up when this is all said and done? <laughs> he ends up in the mountains. He decides in Zohar, he's in the mountains with his daughter. Ah, uh, God was right. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. What I just want you to see is Lot's decision to live in Sodom. It impacted him. It impacted his faith. 
It even impacted his trust in God. And I'm willing to guess that before moving into the city of Sodom, Lot didn't even fathom that possibility. That didn't even cross his mind. While gazing upon the green, the greenness of the land and, and its futility and it's how it's well watered and I can make so much money here while looking at the dollar signs found in Sodom, Lot never seriously considered how the decision could move there to move there could impact his faith. He never did that. In fact, he probably did something very similar to what we do a lot of times today. He lied to himself. He deceived himself. He thought things like, well, you know, those people are wicked and sinful, and I know that they're not doing God's will, but, but they're not going to rub off on me. They're not going to impact me. I'm strong. I'm mighty spiritually. I'm the nephew of Abraham. I can handle living in Sodom. Lot probably thought that kind of stuff to himself. And we see here he was wrong. He was dead wrong. He clearly got sucked into the culture of that wicked city. So much so that he's sitting at the gates and he's offering his daughters to evil men to be sexually assaulted. And he's even hesitant when God told him to get out of the city. Lot teaches us that before making decisions in our lives, before making decisions about where we want to go and who we want to be around and even where we want to settle down, we need to pause and think about consequences. We need to think about potential consequences. We need to think about the ripple effects that could come from our decision. We need to ask ourselves questions like, does picking this particular college does picking this particular institution for higher education have the potential to draw me closer and closer to God or further and further away from God? Will picking this particular college put me in the best environment? Will it surround me with the best spiritual support system? Will it put me in a position where I'm constantly battling temptations that I know I'm going to have a hard time saying no to. We need to ask ourselves those kind of questions when it comes to picking colleges. And what about the person that I'm dating or the person I'm thinking about marrying right now? What about this job I've been offered recently? What about this city I'm considering moving my family to or this person I'm considering partnering with at work on a big project or these friends I'm hanging out with all the time right now? What kind of impact will my decisions when it comes to these situations have on my life? What kind of impact will they have on my faith? What kind of impact will they have on my spiritual growth in Jesus Christ? Lot clearly then ask himself those kind of questions before moving into the city of Sodom. Lot clearly was absorbed, so absorbed with physical gain that he could receive by living in Sodom that he never considered the spiritual dangers, the spiritual cobras that were waiting for him in that city. Choosing Sodom impacted Lot. It impacted his faith, it impacted his trust in God. He's not the same man going out as he was going in, but not only did he impact his faith, it also impacted his family's faith. It impacted the faith of his family. Remember, Lot had a family, right? He's got a family. In addition to his wife and the two daughters who initially 
flee the city with him. In verse number 14, the Bible also mentions sons-in-law. It mentions sons-in-law. It says that Lot tried to urge his sons-in-law to leave the city with him, but they wouldn't listen to him. They would not take him seriously. In fact, in addition to having sons-in-law, in verse 12, the angels mention sons. He's got sons, and he's got daughters, and he's got sons-in-law. This means that Lot probably has a pretty big family here, and yet what happened to the members of his family? What happened to his wife? What happened to his daughters? What happened to his sons? What happened to his sons-in-law? Well, in the case of his daughters, they almost got sexually abused. And in the case of his sons and his sons-in-law, well, they were killed when the city of Sodom was destroyed. His home was also destroyed. His flocks and his herds were destroyed. His herdsmen were killed. And even his wife was turned into a pillar of salt when she looked back at Sodom while it was being destroyed. Lot chose Sodom because he was thinking about dollar signs. He chose Sodom because he wanted to physically prosper, and yet when he leaves Sodom, he is broke. He doesn't have anything. He's not prosperous. He doesn't have his flocks. He doesn't have his herds. He doesn't have his herdsmen. His home is gone. Much of his, much of his family has been wiped out. Lot came in with a lot, but left with nothing. He left with nothing. In fact, if you go home and read the rest of this chapter, you're going to see that even when it came to them two daughters that, that went into the mountains with him, they're not the best people. They're spiritually bankrupt. These are not righteous women. They actually get their father drunk. And they commit incest with him. They have no respect for him, probably because he had no respect for them. He's going to give them a way to get, to get sexually assaulted. So they don't have respect for him. They commit incest with him. Because they believe God has wiped out the whole planet at this time and they got to have children with their father if they're going to preserve their family. It's a bad situation, bad situation. And you know what this shows us? This shows us that the decisions we make in our lives not only impact us, but they also impact other people. They impact the people that we love. They have the potential to not only impact our families physically, but also impact our families spiritually. This is something that we as men, and I'm speaking to the men this morning, for the men this morning who have families, you have, wife, you have a wife and you have kids, this is something that we really need to listen to this morning. We really need to take this to heart. We need to take to heart what the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6. Do you remember what the Apostle told us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4? In Ephesians the 6th chapter and verse number 4, Paul here says fathers. He's talking to fathers in this text. And he says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Paul says here that when it comes to raising soldiers for Jesus Christ, when it comes to bringing up children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, that begins with the fathers. It begins with the fathers. It begins with me. It begins with you men. Paul says that we are the primary ones 
who should be raising up children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In fact, part of bringing up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord means that we have to understand that our decisions impact them. What we stand for, what we approve of and don't approve of, what we allow to enter into our homes, especially our example every single day that impacts our families. Lot cared more about getting rich than the spiritual welfare of his family and that cost him his family. That spiritually bankrupted his family. That led to many of the people in his family losing their lives and probably even their souls. You see, why every person is accountable to God for their own decisions, we don't deny that. Why every person is accountable to God for their own decisions, from Lot we learn that if we're going to be godly men, when we make decisions, we got to make decisions with the spiritual interest of our families first and foremost in mind. We got to lead our families in the ways of God. We got to lead our families in such a way that serving God and growing in God and getting connected and closer to God have to be top priorities over things like money and sports and academics and anything else that may be considered earthly gain. Lot choosing Sodom impacted him, his own faith, and it impacted his family. But then thirdly, let me say this, it also impacted Abraham. It impacted Abraham tremendously. Go back in your Bible one more time to Genesis chapter 19, please. And I want to show you something starting with verse number 27. In Genesis, the 19th chapter, and in verse number 27, after the Bible tells us about Lot's wife being turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back at the city of Sodom, probably was worried about her children being killed in that city, and if you have a hard time believing that that is a historical account, then you have a hard time believing in Jesus because Jesus preaches from the, from the book of Genesis here throughout his ministry. He talks about Lot and he talks about Lot's wife. You can't believe in Jesus and also deny the historicity of this account in Genesis. Jesus confirms this really happened. But we go to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 27. And the Bible says in verse 27, Now Abraham arose early in the morning and went to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Can you imagine being Abraham going to your backyard and seeing two, two large cities being wiped out? And you know you got family there? Oh, my goodness. But verse 29 says, thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley, that God remembered. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. While the story of the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah or widely remembered today to be stories or a story of judgment, I want you to also notice how according to this, this is also a story of grace. This is a story of God's grace. This is a story of God's love and God's patience and God's kindness. Notice how despite making the horrible decision to move into the city of Sodom, and despite being consumed with physical gain over spiritual gain, Lot received grace. 
Lot received God's grace. Lot received God's kindness. Lot was given an opportunity to avoid the judgment of God with his family. And a big reason for that, according to the Bible, was Abraham. It was Abraham. Verse 29 says that God delivered Lot from the city of Sodom because he remembered Abraham. He remembered Abraham's passionate plea that he made to him in chapter 18 for his family that lived in that city. This shows us that Abraham really loved Lot. He really cared about him, even though they had some conflict among their herdsmen, even though they were not living near each other anymore. Abraham still cared about what happened to Lot. As God was determined to destroy the city of Sodom. In fact, it was Abraham's intercession for Lot that saved. It saved Lot from receiving judgment from God. This shows me something. This shows me that if we have lots in our lives, if we have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or uncles or aunts, or cousins, or even friends or brethren who are making bad decisions all the time. They're always tripping up over themselves. They're always falling down. They're always committing one spiritual blunder after another. If we have people like that in our lives, if we pray for those people, if we pour out our hearts to God for those people, if we beg God to be patient with those people and help them get back on a better path, God may do it. God may offer them grace. God may offer them patience. God may offer them an opportunity and time to start doing what is right. He may do that because of you. Because of your intercession through prayer. Because like in the case of Abraham, he sees just how much the well-being of a certain individual is to you. What I just want you to see this morning is our choices. This is what I want you to take home, okay? Our choices matter. They matter. They impact not only us, but the people that we love. Lot thought that choosing to live in the wicked city of Sodom for earthly gain was going to have very little impact on his faith and the faith of his family, but he was wrong about that. He was just dead wrong. His decision to move into Sodom had a tremendous impact on his family. It had an impact on him. It had an impact on Abraham. And we got to learn from his mistake. Before making critical decisions in our lives, we got to always stop and consider the potential consequences. We got to always consider how those consequences can not only impact us, but they can impact the people that we love. They can impact our physical family. They can impact our spiritual family. Before we make important decisions, we need to consult God. Lot doesn't consult God. We need to consult God. We need to consult God through prayer. We need to consult God through his word. We need to consult godly people that we know who know the word of God as well. You know, I began this lesson telling you a story about a cobra. I told you about a lost cobra in Grand Prairie, Texas that's never been heard from again. Can I close by telling you about somebody else 
who's never heard from again after Genesis 19 is Lot. Lot's in the mountains at the end of Genesis 19, and he's never heard from again. His story concludes by being spared the judgment of God. The question is, will you be spared the judgment of God? Will you be spared God's judgment when the Lord returns like a thief and this world is destroyed? My friends, if you sit there this morning and realize that in your current spiritual condition, if the final judgment of God occurred on this day, you would not be spared the judgment of God. If that describes you, it's time for you to make a decision. It's time for you to make a good decision. It's time for you to make a choice to choose God. Choose Jesus. Choose to believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, and be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Choose what is right today. And if we can help you with that, come to the front right now as we stand and we sing together.